I'm Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. I had a thought the other day in the midst of a not super great circumstance and situation that just required a lot of my energy and my effort, and I was getting frustrated and I was getting angry, and I was certainly experiencing that, oh my gosh, I'm suffering. Why am I suffering? Kind of tailspin of pain. That's a fun way to start a podcast, isn't it? I was in the midst of a moment of suffering, which in comparison to the suffering of others might not have seemed that excessive or intense or maybe even worth my attention to complain about, but was still difficult nonetheless, as all suffering is. There's no such thing as the suffering Olympics just because somebody else's external pain might seem more intense or worse than the one that you might be experiencing. It doesn't mean that you're still not experiencing it. But I'm, I'm in the moment of this, this annoying suffering, not particularly liking it, not particularly happy about it, trying to kind of figure out how to get out of it. And this thought kind of popped into my mind that, well, if suffering is inevitable, and it is, we can't necessarily get away from it, but we can get into our response to it. If suffering will happen, and it does, the only thing I can really control in the midst of that suffering is how I respond, is how I react, is how I lean into the suffering, embrace the suffering, allow the suffering to perhaps be sanctifying. If the suffering's going to happen, the only thing I can do about it is respond in a particular way. And how I respond, what that response looks like, what witness that response maybe gives to others, that's perhaps when the sanctification most especially occurs. Now, in the season of Lent, we experience suffering on a variety of levels because in some small way, we are trying to enter into the suffering of Christ and not actually even a small way, in a very significant way. Our 40 days of Lent going into the desert is to prepare us to rejoice in the salvation of Jesus Christ, but there's this purgation that must occur on the way to this great victory. There's a cross to be carried on the way to the resurrection on Easter Sunday. And how we carry the cross and what is rooting us in the midst of carrying that cross, how we respond to the suffering and what is going on in our heads and in our hearts as that suffering is playing out, there can either be an embrace, there can be a pushing away. There can be a leaning in or there can be a running from. And what happens in our response is really where the Lord can work. Now, I mentioned a second ago, sometimes there are big sufferings and sometimes there are small sufferings, and we should never compare them. There's no such thing as the suffering Olympics. Everybody's running their own race. Nobody's in competition. Your pain, however small it might seem to someone else, is still your pain. And another's pain, however big it might seem, is something that, that we should never, ever look to lessen or, or diminish or necessarily glorify, but something that we should acknowledge and then enter into and ask, how can I help you walk through this? How can I love you in this pain and suffering? What do you need to be able to embrace it? What do you need to remain anchored in the midst of it? Stephanie Weinert is a mom who has shared her suffering, who has given witness to the suffering of her family when they lost their son Beckett in a really beautiful way. This is why social media is good, because people can share stories upon it that give a profound witness to something greater than one could ever imagine. I remember watching Stephanie's story play out on Instagram, knowing people that knew her very well, seeing the day in and the day out struggle that they were enduring. And then now, nearly two years later, 
the way that that life has continued and the embrace of the suffering is still something that they're they're dealing with. She's going to tell us our story today, and it was the perfect conversation to have as we're entering into this fourth week of Lent, because there is a point of our Lenten journey where we realize the suffering is going to come. It's not going to necessarily end when these 40 days are over, but Lent is the perfect time to be prepared to embrace it, to be prepared to be anchored in the good, the true, the beautiful, in God's word in the midst of the suffering, in the midst of the purgation, in the midst of the challenge. And Stephanie's able to give us a really, really beautiful insight about all of that and more. This is all part of our Ave Explores series on Father John Burns's Return, a beautiful Lenten book that I think will be incredibly helpful to your Lenten journey. The videos from, from the Return series are all available on Ave Maria Press's website, totally for free. This podcast, of course, can help you journey through the Lenten season, I think, in a very intentional way. We're super grateful that you're journeying with us. And I'm hopeful that today's conversation, like all of the conversations this season, leads you to a deeper understanding of what it means to return to the Lord with our whole heart and in that return be anchored in the midst of our suffering. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with Stephanie Weiner about all of that and a lot more. Stephanie, welcome to Ave Explorers. Thanks for being with us. Oh, of course. Thanks for having me. I'm so honored to be here. So tell us a little bit about who you are and where you are and and some of what you do. I, I know we were able to finally snag an hour with you because of our crazy schedule. So I know you've got a lot going on. Introduce yourself to our audience. Sure. So I'm Stephanie Weinert. I'm married to Peter. We have four children on earth, ages seven to 12. We live just outside of Charlotte, North Carolina. And I've been involved in ministry my whole life. I grew up a pastor's kid. My father had a pretty public, famous conversion to Catholicism. And so I was, from the time I was a teenager through college, through all of my 20s, was very active full-time in Catholic ministry. I was on the Catholic speaking circuit, especially to college students and young adults. I hosted a radio show for EWTN for almost a decade and then got married at the end of my 20s, got married to Peter and started having babies and kind of putting the outside of the home ministry aside so I could focus on raising kids. And then in 2019, I had my fifth baby. Beckett was born and he came with a surprise diagnosis of Down syndrome. We didn't know until after he was born that he had Down syndrome. So that was a big surprise. And then that same day, we found out that Beckett had a really serious heart defect. Mm. And over the course of his first year of life, which also happened to be 2020, so the world was in lockdown. (laughs) We were just home and very much isolating with our special needs baby. We found out that next year, he also had lung disease, which Mm. did not play nice with heart disease. So the heart surgery that Beckett needed to save his heart became impossible because his lungs could not withstand Mm. that surgery. And so pretty much all the specialty surgeons in all the children's hospitals in North America heard about Beckett. We consulted literally all over the world and he fought hard. Our little buddy fought hard and he went to heaven at 18 months old. Mm. He died May 11th, 2021. And Peter and I decided I guess Beckett was about 10 days old. We decided we were going to share his story publicly. Like at first, like when you first find out you have a very fragile child, I think our natural motherly tendency is to Mm -hmm. like 
go into your cave and hide and like not let the world in. At least that's how introverted me felt. And I really felt like God wanted me to share his story mm-hmm. and to share my story in it too, of mothering a very fragile child and what that was like. And I tried to be very honest about it, not to share it with rose colored glasses on that everything was wonderful. It was wonderful. And it was also very, very hard. So because we shared his story, people followed along through his life and then they followed as he got sicker. And we just had a community all over the world just surround us as, you know, in his last weeks and months of fighting for life in the hospital. So yeah, we we have a little saint in heaven interceding for our family, but also I feel like interceding for all these people who loved him and prayed for him and, you know, now ask him for help. Mm-hmm. So I never expected this was going to be my story, Katie. Like I never thought I'd be a special needs mom. I never thought God would ask me to walk through child loss because I thought I could not handle it. I thought I would die that same day. Just did not think I was strong enough to go through it. So life has been very unexpected for me mm-hmm. in many ways. The journey learned sorrow deeper than I thought was possible. Mm-hmm. And the crazy part of it is God sustains <laughs> Beyond your worst nightmare and the things you think you cannot do, it's true that you can't, but he teaches you that he can. Mm -hmm. And so we're still here. It's been almost two years Mm -hmm. and grief is still raw. Nothing Mm -hmm. is fine, but we're still here and God is still good. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to put it. We're still here. It it still sucks, but the Lord is still good in that. And those two things are not diametrically opposed. Like God can still do something with that. I want to, I want to go back to the surprise diagnosis you know, on a day where a child comes into the world and there's joy and there's excitement and this is number five and there's, you know, big siblings waiting outside the room. How did you and Peter navigate those first moments? I have a, a dear friend who also had a surprise Down syndrome diagnosis and, and their Gwen mm-hmm. is now a preteen. And I've heard him share the story of just like this moment of feeling like heaven was in the room, even in the midst yes. of this very big, scary thing. What yes. did that do to your faith in those first few hours? One of the things I brought into my Catholic faith was my deep love of scripture. And it's one of my things that I'm most grateful to my Protestant heritage <laughs> for, because I really did study scripture very faithfully as a Protestant child, but I brought that love into Catholicism. And with that came a lot of scripture memory. I've done a lot of memorizing of scripture. So there's a lot of scripture written on my heart Mm -hmm. because I've been faithful to that. And in those first seconds, like the first few seconds, you're just in shock. Your whole body's in shock. So you're not really thinking. And then as that wears off in those first few minutes, a verse from Psalm 43.5, sorry, 46.5 came just so strongly to my mind. And the verse says, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. Mm. And it was just like playing like a loop. And so like, I, you know, as the pediatrician who had just informed me, my child had an extra chromosome, like God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. And then the, the heart surgeon comes in and, you know, talks about what we just saw an ultrasound on your son's heart. And here's the hole and is like drawing it on a piece of printer paper. Mm. And I'm just like, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. Oh wow! And that verse was just like, a steady anchor as the seas got rockier and rockier. And, you know, like it just keeps coming out. (laughs) Like there's more bad news and more bad news. And it's like, as, as the got choppier, as the waters got choppier, the anchor just got deeper. And the lesson there for me was the work was done 
the spiritual work was begun way before that moment. Mm. I already had an anchor that could go down deep because I had been faithful to listening to God's word, to writing it on my heart so that when I needed it, the Holy Spirit could pull it up inside me. And as a mother, that's one thing I really want to help my children do too. Because, you know, mm. our kids... Our kids are going to grow up and face all the crazy things that we didn't think we're going to face in our lives. They're going to face it too. And I want them to have that anchor Mm -hmm. to go deep, the sacraments and scripture to go deep when, when the waters get rocky. Yeah. Well, that's, that's such a great, that's such a great word for Lent, right? Like, yes, there is no doubt that mourning and weeping and suffering is going to occur. It's, it's like death and taxes. It's inevitable and it's going to happen. So our response can't just be, my, my husband frequently reminds me, like, we can't we can't go into freak out panic mode every single time something bad goes happen. We have to have a better response plan. Mm-hmm. And you had a good response plan in the sense of like, this isn't going to be easy, but the Lord's faithful and the Lord is good. And we've been playing the goodness of God on repeat this Lent. That's kind of been like our oh, family song. And it's like, all it. my life you have been faithful. There is no doubt yes. about that. Even when you're holding a child who is profoundly sick. Um, and it was so powerful watching that play out. I hate to say watching it play out on social media, but you shared it that way, right? Like this very mm-hmm. visible union of prayer for you and for your family. Our mutual friend, I remember Elizabeth Foss posted something of like, you needed childcare help because you were, you were yes. dealing with this. And so you had these other four babies that also needed to be right. cared for. And I, I didn't know who you were, but I was like, well, one friend is trying to help another friend. I have some contacts in Charlotte. Let's start texting people and see like, do you know folks? Uh-huh. And like all these people from across the country coming together to yes. pray and you were able to withstand all of this because of that deep anchor. How, you, you mentioned just now sacraments and prayer and scripture to root your kids. In the season of Lent, people take a more intentional approach to sinking an anchor deep. Yes. What is your advice for how to approach that in a Lent that maybe feels really Lenty? Or like in a Lent yeah. where like you just kind of feel like I'm checked out. I'm just going to give right. up on this thing that I'm fasting from because life is just too hard and crazy. You know, the other day my husband and I had this massive fight and I was like, I'm just going to go have a Belvita bar that's chocolate because that's just going to make me feel better right now. I'm just going to throw in the towel. Lent is going to have to wait. What can we do to keep sinking the anchor when Lent feels really hard? Yeah. And, you know, I think this year, Katie, as just I've been talking to many women, it feels like everybody felt like they were in Lent before Lent started this year. Like people are going through stuff, Mm -hmm. lots of stuff. And so you just kind of, you know, Ash Wednesday comes but your heart's already so weary. You feel like you're already making the sacrifices, whether you wanted to or not. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you enter into this? And I think the most important thing is God wants our hearts. Mm-hmm. That's what he wants. Even more than giving up chocolate, even more than the sacrifice list that we made, whether or not we're keeping it or not, God wants our hearts. How can you come to him? How can you open yourself up to him? And it doesn't need to be that you are the one doing the talking. You know, you can come and listen. You can sit at his feet in adoration. You can go into a church and say, well, (laughs) the chocolate one isn't going so well. (laughs) Give me another one. (laughs) I tried to give up wine and forget that. But show up and let him do the loving. And that that is Lent. He wants our hearts. And yes, it hurts. Like so many of the things people are, I just like, that's one of the, it's one of the blessings and the burdens of, having a public cross that people know you've suffered as they are willing to share with you their sufferings. And Mm. that has been a blessing just to have more insight into the human experience, Katie, of Mm. people are suffering, really suffering. And it's all different things. It's marriage, it's kids, it's financial fears. It's all 
there, if there's no limit. The world is suffering, but he wants to help us. Mm-hmm. He wants to help us through it. It's not that it's going to be alleviated or it's going to go away if we have the perfect Lent or the perfect. That's a lie. Mm-hmm. That comes from the devil because that gets us down. That gets us discouraged if we think Jesus is only here to alleviate the cross. No, he's asking us to pick it up and he's going to mm-hmm. help us carry it mm-hmm. because that's what's best for us. That's what's best for our eternal salvation. And that's the point. That's the point. It's not for here. It's not to be mm-hmm. happy and satisfied here. It's it's for heaven. And it's going to be hard. Yeah. It's going to be hard for all of us. But he is with us. He's waiting for us. Yeah. He wants our hearts. That's yeah. what he wants. It sounds like the anger is sunk when we just drop it in the first place. Like it, it'll just go down. Like you don't, you don't, you, yes, there's a chain that you have to, you use it to pull it back up, but when you drop an anchor, it's heavy and it's just going to go down. When you give the Lord just that little bit, he'll take a lot. I want to I want to go to May 11th, the day that Beckett passed. And I, you know, mm-hmm. I know in those days leading up, there was kind of this, there was hope and then the hope seemed to be gone and there was improvements and there were backslides. And there's a, a story I've, I've heard you tell before about a song that came on your phone. Can you share with us that story sure. and kind of this moment of consolation the Lord gave you? Sure. The week that Beckett died, it was maybe three days before he died. And it was, it was up and down and it was so much improvement. And then mm-hmm. honestly, the last eight hours of his life, he went from, oh, we're doing great. We can maybe even move to a less, you know, serious room here in the hospital. And then the, it just went very fast at the end. But about three days before I was in his room and we played Spotify pretty much around the clock in his room. And it was classical lullabies. So it was all like very soothing classical music, very quiet, just very, very soothing. And um, it'd been going on for weeks, like weeks. We're just like playing the same playlist basically. And so I had my head down near his head and my arm around him in the bed. And Stephen Curtis Chapman's song, Glorious Unfolding, started playing in my phone, Mm. like just randomly. Here it is. And those Y'all in, in your audience, Katie, who knows Stephen Curtis Chapman's story, he lost a child in a very uh, tragic accident. He lost this little girl. And the story is about that. It's about how you think this is the worst thing that could ever have happened to you. This is your worst nightmare come true. How do you get out of this? And the song talks about how there's this glorious unfolding that mm-hmm. you can't imagine. You can't see that far ahead right now. But there's a plan far bigger than you can imagine. And so the song is, and I'm like, where, where did this come from? What is happening? And that really was an anchor for me. Not, not just that week, but honestly, the whole summer, that song just kept coming to me and kind of, you know, got God's promise to, to me and our family that there's more here than you can see, but you're going to have to trust me. Yeah. <laughs> you're just going to have to trust because this is not going to make sense. This is not going to feel good. You're going to have to trust that there's a bigger story here. That's so beautiful. Father John walking us through return gives us the the collect for the mass every day, which is usually when you're juggling kids in mass, the last thing you're paying attention to. So it's kind of nice to get to read them <laughs> every day of this book because it's like, oh, I never hear those. And on on the Monday of the fourth week of Lent, it's through mysteries beyond all telling. Right. And that the mm-hmm. Lord is renewing the world through these mysteries, through these mysterious moments of suffering through a Lent that feels really tough, through a Lent that you're just like, okay, I'm just going to survive and get to the end, maybe through a Lent that's really fruitful. Some people are having very fruitful Lents and 
and feel like, okay, the glorious unfolding is my theme song. And some people are like, absolutely not. That song and, and that idea is not something I want to tackle at all. Let's talk about Lent with your family. You've, you've got four lovely kids here. 12 mm-hmm. to 7 is a fun age range of, of <laughs> preteens down to kids who are like still kind of little and anticipating First Communion. What does Lent look like in your home? And what did that first Lent after Beckett passed look like? Because kind of y'all were living Lent for a really long time. Did you just kind of yes. lean off the gas and that, okay, we've suffered enough. We're not, we're not fast. We get all the chocolate this year. How does it look in y'all's home? It did that all that first year felt like we were just in the desert. Mm-hmm. It's hard for me even to look back and tell you specifics because it it's, it is shock it is heavy with grief. Mm-hmm. It is from the mother's perspective, trying to help everybody else right. <laughs> through grief, yeah. especially other my other children to do everything. Yeah. Yes. You know what the best thing that we did is we started anchoring our day, our week, our life, in the prayers that the church gives us, mm-hmm. when the words can't come from ourselves, when like almost like the rote things, the going through the motion things to anchor us. Mm-hmm. And I can't say that it was like a super conscious, like thought out, like, oh, we're going to do all these things because we need to anchor our day. I just kind of intuitively like, we need to start adding this in. We need mm-hmm. to do this. Shortly after his death, the kids and I were all enrolled in the Brown scapular. My husband had been, my husband's a cradle Catholic. He had been enrolled for many years, but the kids and I hadn't. And so we asked our pastor to enroll us. And he did in a little service on Pentecost Sunday, get, gave a little talk to the kids about what it meant to wear the scapular and the devotions. And he talked most to them about praying a daily rosary, mm. which our family had not been praying a daily rosary. Like that was like, when we're in the car or on our way to church on Sunday, like we just were not, or we pray a decade at night, not the whole thing. So he talked to them about that's one of the responsibilities you take on wearing the scapular. And our kids were like, mom, we have got to do this. Like <laughs> we, we have to do it because father said, and since that day, we prayed a rosary every single day. Wow. Our family's never missed a day. And that anchored us so much. So every night, like after dinner, before bedtime, like that's what our family does. Mm-hmm. And if we're out late or we're on the way home from a baseball practice night, we'll pray in the car, but we get it in every single day. And that anchored us so much. Brown scapular devotions. We, we've prayed a lot of novenas since Beckett died. And that keeps us also anchored. So where my convert brain and mind and heart might be like, let's open the Bible and read some scripture, or let's just have prayer time. Everybody pray what they want to pray tonight. When you are really suffering or when you're really depressed or when you're deep in grief or you're just, your body is overwhelmed, Mm -hmm. that's why the church gives us the divine office, the rosary, the Mm -hmm. daily mass, like all of it, because we need it. (laughs) Mm -hmm. It's a gift to us. Not like, I think sometimes as Catholics, you think, oh, all these things that we have to do and like, it's because we need Mm -hmm. it. And when it gets really bad, in life, we need it more. And so those anchor things, they've really, I can't just, I can't even tell you all the graces that have come through yeah. just having those, hab- they become habits. Yeah, yeah. The but best that kind. has just yeah. helped us in our grief so much. Yeah. Well, and I think too, I mean, you, the best Lent I remember having was the one that I was like, I'm going to daily mass. Because all you have to, you just have to show up. You just have to show up with a willing heart to like receive the Lord and he's going to do something with that. You just have to show up to a rosary. You don't have to come up with magic words. Like they're given right. to you, you know, there's something yes. really comforting about that. When it comes to 
to praying and almsgiving and fasting in Lent, a lot of times we kind of set this project for our mind of like, okay, well, I'm going to do these three things and it's going to be fruitful. And in a mm-hmm. series of mourning, you know, some like you're saying, those rhythms and those routines are incredibly helpful to just to get through the day to survive on the other end. But when it's just Stephanie after the kids are in bed and the house is clean and it's it's you and Peter thinking about yes. that that absence because someone's missing, someone's missing at the table, someone's missing at the family celebrations. And Lent a lot of times I think kind of brings up that that mm-hmm. space that's there that God can fill. What do y'all do with that? How how do you survive that day to day? Yes, you do the rote and rhythmic routines, and and yes, there's this this stuff that keeps you rooted, but there is also still that that hole in your heart. How does the Lord fill that for you, and how do you then just wake up the next morning and do it all over again? Grace. Mm. It's not. There's no. I I have no pretty answer for it, Katie. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it is. He he just he gives he gives the manna for that day. Mm-hmm. That's the best way I can say it. we are. Our whole family is still out in the desert. Like, yeah. It is, the grief is still very heavy. And in certain ways, it's worse this year than last year. The first year is kind of a honeymoon phase of grief, to mm-hmm. be honest. It's, there's so much shock that it's the second year that reality kind of sinks in. This is forever. Mm-hmm. He's never coming back. I'm never going to hold him again. We're never going to kiss him again. Like the hole is going to be here mm-hmm. and it's not going to go away on this side of heaven. And so looking even to next week, like how, Lord, how are you going to sustain me next week? Or what's that going to look like? Or how can I keep my Lenten sacrifices even one more day? He gives the manna just for today. Mm. Like today I had the grace to get out of bed. Today I had the grace to make breakfast for my kids. Today we had the grace to laugh and smile over that kid telling a joke. Like it's, it's that in the moment. And I think for anything that's really hard, it's staying in the present moment. Mm. When we, when we swing the pendulum, I learned through grief counseling with my Catholic therapist that if we let the pendulum go to the past, we feel depression. And if we let it go to the future, we feel anxiety. Yeah. And often we let our, our whole body, mind, and soul do that. We're like depression, anxiety. We're like worried about the past. We're anxious about the future. But if we can stay in the present moment, mm-hmm. which is where the Lord is, that's where he is. And that's where he sustains us. That's where we're the healthiest. Mm. And so honestly, it's it's like that. It's like, okay, tonight's a really crappy night. He's crying or I'm crying or we're depressed or what can we do? You know, what can we do today? Does that look like taking a bath tonight mm. and putting on Hello app? Does that look like listening to a podcast? Does that look like putting on a show that we like and just like eating a bowl of popcorn? Yeah. Like it's, yeah. it's different, in, but what what right now can we do? It's that day by day, yeah. to be honest. And that's, I mean, that's how you have to approach incredible suffering. I think that's how you have to approach the little things. You know, I almost lost it on my five-year-old last night because she left her folder at school. And I'm like running the clock down today. It's spelling practice. Tomorrow it's FAFSA forms and you don't get into college. And my husband just looks at me and says, you can't let your mind go that far over this one right. tiny thing. And like, yeah. it's the little daily annoyances and struggles and those big, massive sufferings and wounds and how to invite the Lord into the balancing of that is a great project for Lent. I yeah. think even the perfect project for this fourth week of Lent of like, okay, I'm, I'm done. I'm spent. I don't know what it's going to look like tomorrow, but yeah. Lord, you'll get me through. And just tell him, tell him yeah. everything. He cares about the little things. Mm-hmm. He cares about the little things. It doesn't have to be a big thing, like losing your baby. Like yeah. it could be a small thing. Mm-hmm. He still cares about it. He still meets you in it. If you invite him in yeah. and surrender that 
just back to him. Okay. Yeah. I can't handle this. I am so mad. I'm so frustrated. I am so stressed. Give it over. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Let him help you. Ah, Such a good, such a good piece of advice. Stephanie, after Beckett passed and you have this time of mourning that you're still very much in, it was really beautiful to watch a creativity start to flourish in a new way of trying to walk with women through this. Can you tell us about your ministry to moms that very much was born in, in the aftermath and how we can support that, how we can follow that? Oh, thank you so much. I did. I started a ministry for moms very shortly after Beckett died, which still feels crazy. Like, <laughs> what is that? Who does that? <laughs> what is going on? I felt such a passion well inside me, Katie, after he passed to support women with the value of what they're doing as mm-hmm. mothers, like really encouraging women how important it is what they are doing. So through Beckett's last months, he coded once. That was a terrifying experience, but that was almost as hard as his death in that I thought I was losing him that night, but it 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 gave me a perspective on my life that was different. Mm. So hard to communicate to anyone else because I, I lived it in that moment, but I saw my life differently. Mm-hmm. I saw it through a lens of heaven. Mm. Like all of this is just for heaven. Like that's what matters more than anything. And I really feel like God gave me insight into the role that a woman plays through her motherhood in that eternal story. Mm. So I I just wanted to I wanted to virtually hug every mother and say, you are doing a great job. Like <laughs> how, how bad you think you're doing, how crazy it feels, like all the things you have so much value and the Lord smiles upon you mm-hmm. right in the middle of the messiness. So I, I started a ministry called Mother and Home and uh, it is just to encourage mothers in their vocation. We do courses, we do retreats. We have a community online where women can just come. I wanted a safe place where mothers could come in and just tell it how it really is. Mm-hmm. Like, tell us how you're really doing. How can we really pray for you? Let's mm-hmm. talk about the hard stuff. Let's talk about marriage and job losses and kids leaving the faith and <laughs> tantrums and like all the things. <laughs> like, this is a safe place off kind of the eyes of social media mm-hmm. where we can like let it out a little bit more and be a sisterhood of support for each other. So that's mother and home. And I'm still home with my kids, but I am I'm working the ministry from home and it has blessed me so much yeah. to be able to just share that passion with other women and just to encourage moms. Yeah. It's so needed and and I've heard wonderful things and I think I think you're you know, you you're doing exactly what you set out to do. You're giving moms that space. We wrap up every podcast this season talking about our hope for Lent. And everybody knows we record these ahead of time, but we're in Lent while we're recording this one. So what is your hope for this Lenten season, for your family, for your kids, for yourself? My hope for my whole family is that we would come out of Lent more in love with Jesus. Mm. Like that's that's what I want. That is the bottom line for what I want. For what I want for my own heart, this Lent and also this year, what I've been really praying for 2023 is that God would help me reach a new level of abandonment to him. Mm. I feel like up until this point in my life, trust and surrender and abandonment to divine providence, there was this Jesus, I trust in you, but I was subconsciously feeling like, Jesus, I trust you to give me what I need to fix this. Mm -hmm. Or I trust that you are going to make me capable enough to survive this. This year, I really feel like the next step for me 
is to surrender that and say, no, I, I surrender it to you to mm-hmm. fix this. You are capable and I am open. Mm. And I have a lot of work to do in that. I, I definitely had the, the control freak is strong in this one. <laughs> <laughs> the type A, yeah. the cleric, all of that. And all of those traits in me are a gift and a blessing and have God has used those in certain ways, but also there are crutches that I rely on myself a lot and I really want to surrender more fully to Him. Mm. So that's my prayer for this Lent and it's going to be, it's not, it's not just going to be a Lent thing. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a <laughs> setup for life. Thing. I'm yeah. trying <laughs> to go deeper with the Lord in that and just really like teach me to really abandon mm-hmm. myself. Yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Stephanie, tell us where we can follow you online and the website for Mother and Home. Sure. Um, I'm on Instagram at Stephanie Weinert and Mother and Home is motherandhome.co. Awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Of course. It's been an honor. Thank you, Katie. To hear the stories of others' sufferings is One of the greatest privileges of my life to get to have conversations with people and ask them to share with me their heart. And I'm so grateful that Stephanie gave us a glimpse into the cross that her family carried, is carrying, and advised us, I think really beautifully, in how we can carry our own crosses when we are first anchored in something so much bigger, which is, of course, God's word, and and come to a deeper understanding of, of how the Lord acts within our lives in a really profound way when we are anchored, when the suffering is not just something that happens to us, but something that we can embrace within the story of our lives, this glorious unfolding of something that sometimes we can't even fully understand. Stephanie, of course, has this beautiful ministry, Mother and Home. You can check it out at motherandhome.co. Just a really beautiful outreach to women, to mothers in a, a really beautiful and unique way. Check it out. The link is down in our show notes. We're so grateful she shared her story with us today. You know, I think this week, We can really ask ourselves in an intentional way, okay, how am I anchored in the midst of my Lent? As I'm giving up the sweets, as I'm adding in this holy hour, as I'm reading this daily devotional, as I'm picking a different charity to be generous to each month, how am I allowing the Lord to anchor me in an intentional way? And how am I anchoring myself? How am I dropping the anchor so as I can more deeply embrace what the Lord has for me? I think that's a worthy thing to contemplate and meditate upon in these coming days. We'll be back next week with even more, I think, really fruitful and valuable conversations. We have a great guest. My good friend Rocky McCormick will be dropping on by to share with us her insights, her insights into how we can embrace the pain of others, really rend our hearts during the Lenten season. So I hope you follow our show, maybe give it a rating and a review so more people can find it. Sign up for our weekly emails from Ave Maria Press at our website, AveMariaPress.com, so you can get Ave Explorers right into your inbox, and we'll see you soon. Know that we're praying for you on this Lenten journey. This podcast is part of the Spoke Street Network. For more great podcasts, visit Spokestreet.com.